Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. Happy 400th episode, and thank you to all who have been with us this far and who will be with us to number 500. Perhaps this is a good time to set a new schedule. As you've noticed, I'm not really able to get out daily episodes regularly right now, since the podcast is not to the point of self-sufficiency yet. Since I seem to mostly have time to get one out every other day, I think we'll make that a new expectation, so we can have a bit more consistency. I haven't been fond of not knowing when the next episode is coming out, and I doubt any of you are either. So hopefully this will fix that. Anyway, we've got a bunch of economic items to go over today. Let's get cracking. Quick shout out to our Tier 3 patrons, Shay Meehan and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these advocates of humanity first and independent journalism, head on over to patreon.com slash yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. A number of red states have been passing what are colloquially called ban-the-ban bills. These bills seek to outlaw any legislation that would restrict fossil fuel use. They are, of course, sponsored by oil and gas lobbyists. While they are mostly aimed at preventing the banning of fossil fuels, one in Florida has gone much, much further. The Florida bill mandates that, quote, Cities may not enact or enforce a resolution, ordinance, rule, code, policy, or action that has the effect of restricting or prohibiting the types of fuel sources of energy production, end quote. What makes this so concerning is the extremely wide net that the language casts. It says that legislation can't in any way restrict any particular type of energy production, meaning that it could be used to strike down attempts at not just banning fossil fuels, but emissions standards, green energy subsidies, and anything else that could in any way benefit one source of energy more than another. While in most cases I understand the desire to not want government interfering in the market, there are clear exceptions. For example, the government must prevent monopolies to preserve fair competition. It must prevent exploitation and discrimination of workers to enforce civil rights. And I think it's fair to say it must accelerate transition out of technologies that are leading to death and destruction on a biblical scale, e.g. fossil fuels and climate change. We should not be fighting to protect pollution. We should be passing legislation to assist those who might be harmed in the transition. These ban-the-ban bills are akin to locking the wheel of a car that is speeding at a wall. Speaking of climate change, the western U.S. and much of the globe is still in the midst of an epic heat wave that is wreaking untold havoc. Electrical grids are overloading from air conditioning use, water reserves are drying up, crops are dying from heat and lack of water, food prices are rising from the crop shortage, roads are cracking from heat expansion, eggs and feet alike are frying on the pavement, and people are dying of heat stroke, hunger, and thirst. And many are too poor to afford any significant relief from the heat, including air conditioning, shelter, travel, or in some cases, even water. It will only grow worse as climate change progresses, killing many millions by deprivation and wars over resources, and leaving many more impoverished refugees. This is the reality of climate change. Even now, we are watching people around the world cook to death in a barbaric display of disregard for human suffering, one that would be largely counteracted by a simple UBI. For some of us, the fight for a minimum income is about a better life. For others, it's about life itself. So keep fighting. 
Speaking of fatal poverty, an Indiana judge ruled against the GOP's denial of expanded federal UI to laid-off workers in the state. The judge said that cutting it violated state law and that it's causing irreparable harm and that the funds must be delivered. The governor may appeal that decision. I'm not sure in what way that would violate state law, but it's definitely inhumane, and early data shows no clear effect on employment or job search rates from cutting UI, as most informed on the issue expected. Any difference in rates between states that did and didn't cut UI should become more clear over the next month as this barbaric experiment plays out. Biden gave his two cents on the supposed labor shortage in a press conference, and his answer was a good one. His proposed solution for employers that can't find workers was to offer better pay. A novel approach, to be sure. And here's another way to be smarter as an employer. The law firm JMK Solicitors has provided yet another example of a company reducing employee working hours from 40 a week to 32 without reducing weekly pay and with only positive results for all involved. In JMK's case, it was also an exercise in mining employees for efficiency suggestions. From JMK, quote, In January 2020, we reduced our working hours for staff by 20%, down to a four-day work week, with no reduction in pay. During this project, we set our teams to the challenge of reviewing every working practice. We encouraged every staff member to look at their individual tasks and ask what was inefficient. This insightful process allowed us to eliminate some tasks, streamline others, and use technology to save time, which allowed us to give that time back to our team. The four-day week has improved our staff's well-being, and we have maintained five-day productivity and client quality standards. It was brilliant to have the four-day week in place when the pandemic hit, as it really gave our team the time off they needed to take care of their health and their loved ones. End quote. The evidence continues to show that many employers are simply wasting their employees' time by overworking them. If we can create an extra day of free time for most workers, with only positive impacts for the businesses, why the heck aren't we doing it? Ask your representatives, and your employers for that matter, though maybe in a nicer way. Introduce the evidence and express curiosity as to whether that would work here. After all, five-day pay for four days of work is a heck of a way to boost morale, improve health, which means less days missed and better quality of work, and beat the competition in the labor market. Finally, the basic income community just had another clubhouse meeting to discuss the big stories of the week related to UBI. They hold these once a week, so download the clubhouse app and follow the link below if you'd like to participate. And that'll do it for today's Yang Daily. Bookmark and share the ban the ban bills, the heat wave, the UI ruling, and the four-day week experiment. Flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the resist bot or income movement easy contacts below. If you need help, consult Humanity Forward, the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way, and don't forget to Yang Daily.